0: To Lylas if you grew up in the 90s and you know what that stands for then by default this podcast is for you.
1: That's right welcome and thanks for joining us again we are here with episode six right Jen? That's right episode six we're so excited to
0: uh to delve into a new topic this week but first before we get into our hot topic let's talk a little bit about what Sarah did this weekend at New York Fashion Week.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the big things that we try to talk about within this podcast is how we all had dreams, like back whenever we were kids growing up in the 90s. And of course, I was obsessed with like Nikki Taylor and, you know, Cindy Crawford and all these people. But, you know, growing up in West Virginia, when you're five, five, that just isn't going (laughs) to the dream is five, seven to five, nine. And that's just not going to happen. So at least at that point in time. And so that was kind of like a a bubble burster. Right. (laughs) Right, But I, for whatever reason, have just always been enthralled with that whole, I don't know, kind of concept of fashion. I really see it as art and playful and an expression. It's not, yeah, it's just not like I'm looking at something and think, oh, that's a nice piece of clothing. I'm like, wow, somebody just made something that is truly like a piece of art. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I never let that dream kind of die. And I was able to get involved in it. Um through two venues, one through just kind of taking a chance and signing up with um like a modeling based kind of agency where you know you can apply to get into and represent and then go and be a part of one of their fashion shows. And then the other way was through um me representing the All-Star United States Pageant Organization. And so with that, it allowed me to walk in Fashion Week and that's fun. It it really, really is, but it is absolute. Like chaos, like if you all could see what happens behind stage and then know that these models are then able just to like put it on and walk out there, whoo, your mind would be blown um, because you're always just like changing clothes, hair and makeup, 200, 300 people all around, and so it's it's definitely it. It's a circus
0: it's a circus. It, I'm sure your adrenaline is just pumping the whole time too.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, that helps. The music is always real upbeat, and so it makes it super fun. The venues are always really cool. Um, You know, it's always kind of nerve-wracking when they're putting clothes on you. Is it going to fit? Is it going to look right? Like, what do I do with this nipple? You know, it's this weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Things you wouldn't have to think about. But I will say that I think one of the cool things that's happened is part of us getting older Um, and this is where the don't let the dream die kind of story comes into play is that we are accepting so much more diversity, um, within fashion, within our society in general. And, you know, you see models now that are all shapes, shapes, sizes, and ages. And, and I think that's really, really cool. And so take home message, don't let the dream die. It could still happen. Um, and it is fun. My favorite thing to do is MC though which I had no idea what I was doing so that whole imposter syndrome thing we talked about in episode four yeah <laughs> oh yeah still hits you still um hits. oh huge especially whatever it's like a it was a big sold-out venue and the chaos backstage is and I'm emceeing and so I'm listening to this producer and I'm seeing all this stuff go down and I got to keep my voice in a certain tone and way and yeah but it was really fun <laughs> I think
0: that is so cool, though, that you're living your dreams and you just keep going for it no matter what. I'd love to hear your experiences each time you come back from Fashion Week. I just think it's so cool. I mean, last time who was performing? It was like Jaw Rule or someone ja Rule. Yeah. 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 taking selfies. I'm like, what? Who is she? Oh, Miss Thing. <laughs> United States International. There we Uh, go. But I just, I love that you never let it die. You just keep going for it and, and you have a blast, or at least it looks like it. I know you said Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting, Mm -hmm. long days, but you show up and you show out every time. I I
1: think it's awesome. It's just, you got to just keep moving through it. You know, if it's stuff that you want to do, you just use that as motivation and drive and just go. Don't think about it. If you think about it, you're going to get screwed. That's generally yes. my motto in life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So far Don't it's think, okay. Just do. That's right.
1: it's 100%.
0: It's served you well this far, so. Well, must be doing something right.
1: At the moment, angels and God also help out a bunch, so,
0: you know. <laughs> That's There's for a lot real. to that too. Mhm. So today, way to celebrate our fun, first of all, the good yeah. and the fun, because we want to celebrate all of it. And mm-hmm. we talk about a lot of the yucks, unfortunately, because that's mental health and a lot of the yucks are what bring us down. But we want to celebrate. And I just I wanted to touch on that because I think it is so cool um, what you were doing this weekend. Mm-hmm. But also in celebration, our podcast is officially getting released this week. Mm -hmm. Our website, all the things are coming out. We are so excited. Of course, now it's in the past. If you're listening to this now, it's already happened, but for us, this is so exciting. So celebrating that we actually freaking did it, man. Yes, We actually did it. Um, And so shout out to our producer, Seth. He Mm -hmm. is awesome and has helped us so much, Um, but we finally got something out. We're really pumped about that. Yes, yes, t- thank t- you. Yes. Um, but today's topic is all about being a stepmommy. And uh-huh. Sarah's got uh, lots of uh, experience in that department. I should say lots, you have a stepdaughter, but yeah. she's been your stepdaughter
1: now for what? Four, five years five i was almost i mean she's been in my life for about five and a half six years maybe a little bit more i'm not good with math <laughs> no but when bit. i look
0: at pictures that you post of her and cam like i can't believe yeah. a little they both were mm-hmm. when you and jeff first started dating mm-hmm. um, i got to have a front row seat to year relationship from the get rip um, mm-hmm. but it just it still even blows my mind that they were so tiny and so little at when you guys first started. So you've been in her life for a long time.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's a good point. That's one thing that Jeff always says is that the difference between him being a stepdad and me being a stepmom, because our kids are, are so different within their age, I mean, approximately 10 years, um, <laughs> is that she will never have a time in her life where she doesn't remember me not being a part of it good from where point. she was yeah from where she was so young and so you know there are times in which that i just have to kind of step back and be reflective of that statement because that's not what his experience was with cameron so you know cameron was like 11 12-ish or something like that and so he has prior history and memories and you know that comes with a lot that comes with a lot of transitions that as a child he has to kind of like think about and adjust to And that's not Rachel's experience with it. Rachel always knows her life as Cameron being her brother, and so that's even what she says. Like she'll even differentiate us sometimes in how she calls us, um, different names. But there's one thing that's always consistent with her, and her brother is Cameron. And so that just speaks to you know that kind of relationship that they've been able to cultivate and have with each other too. So
0: I love that have kind of set up your family in that way. I mean, from the moment you came into uh-huh. her life and you and Jeff decided that this was forever. I mean, like you said, you don't really I've actually never heard you call her your stepdaughter. You always uh-huh. say my daughter or uh-huh. um you know just Our for kids. Your, uh-huh. your kids. Yeah, you've always referred to her as being a part of your life and your family and uh-huh. I, you know, having been on the opposite end of that and having had step parents, a stepmother, a stepfather can Mm -hmm. so appreciate that. Because Mm -hmm. one thing is you kind of feel like, well, where do I fit in here? Am I a part of the family? You know, and you just, you took that right out, that confusion right out. And just from the get rep, you know, called her your daughter, you know? And I I just think that's so beautiful that you all have set up your family in that way to Mm -hmm. not differentiate and to just your family, the end. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't do that to, um, to take away for her mom because that's her mom, you know, she has a different relationship as her daughter, but we do is they are our kids. So whenever you hear us talk about it, that's the most common, I think, pronoun that we use with it. But also I just, I was also a step kid too. So in our family, um, they'd never called us step. So I didn't know, I was just like, that's your stepdad. Okay. But that's, I don't ever call my parents except, um, maybe actually my dad, my dad, like I call my mom her first name. I called my stepdad his first name. So it was never like we identified themselves as like the biological relationship. It was just who they were. And we always were just like family. And so it was never something that came across as something that we should do is to kind of make that. And then at about the time that Rachel was coming along, I got introduced to that movie, The Royal Tenenbaums. Have you ever watched it by chance? I haven't, no. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. It's it's a fun movie. I mean, it's, it's I think it's Wes Anderson is the guy who does it. But anyways, there's this whole segment in there where they have all these kids, and one of them is the adopted daughter. And they always refer to her as the adopted daughter. And you see in a very you know, exaggerated, maybe kind of comical way, dark comedy, however you want to put it. What this does to her in that every time that she gets introduced she gets like this is my son and this is my adopted daughter like what are we doing and maybe that's just what some people do and that's your choice but it's just in it, a again in a hollywood way it kind of showed that and so we just both of us have agreed that this is they are our kids and so and we're not saying that badly or poorly with you know their other biological parents and um but we're together a lot as a family, you know, and we all kind of look alike, even the fact that we're not all biologically related. So that also works as a plus. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also let the kids dictate how they reference us. And so whether she calls me Sarah, um, or she calls me uh, mama, because Cameron calls me mama, um, or whatever, we let her choose what she says, and then I don't correct her. You know, she says, that's my stepmom. she says, that's my mom. And she said, because if I corrected her, then that would be hurtful to her. Yeah. Uh, No, I'm not your mom. I'm going to say that this kid just introduced me as her mom to her friends on the playground or, you know what I mean? But I'm also trying to be aware. And this is where the whole like step parenting thing kind of comes into play. Like, I don't want to be disrespectful to her biological parent because I'm not correcting this. But it's also not good if I do. And so, you know, I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if what I'm doing is right or wrong by the whole. But I feel like in those moments, whenever her kids run up to me and go, Rachel, is that your mom? And she says, yes, I'm not going to correct her yeah. in front of a bunch of kids at the playground. I'm going to be like, yep, yeah, that's my girl. Are you guys ready? What are you all doing? And just we're going to move on with our day as a part of it. But I think those are some of the struggles that you go through as a step parent is really um trying to identify that role and i think too is we were both step kids had step parents i just had this assumption that well hell, my parents did it really well like this is, i was a step kid i was pretty i mean fine i guess you know they never complained or it never was like served as a problem that i knew of um but that didn't prepare me for this <laughs>
0: Right. No. No. Being on the other
1: end doesn't certainly doesn't prepare you. I mean, it
0: gave you some insight because you had been in that, you know, opposite role. But um I just like listening to you talk, I was thinking about my experience as a step kid. My stepdad, I used to get so mad when I was a kid and he would refer to me as his daughter. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, no, you have three daughters and a son. Like, I'm your stepdaughter. You need to tell people I'm your stepdaughter. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that used to irritate me. But I think because I felt like it was um, taking something away from my dad. If people thought I was his daughter, they wouldn't know that I was, you know, Dave Carter's daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just, that always bothered me. And You know, I I was about the same age as Cam when my stepdad came into my life, Uh and I was really tough on him. Like, gosh, I look back and I'm like, I was just kind of a winch to him Mm. uh, in the beginning. And he, you know, he was such a great guy. He was such a good stepdad. And he he told the story at my wedding. You might remember this, but he Uh talked about how like every night he would come in and say good night. He worked out of town a lot or he would work like nights and then he would come in and always tell me good night and he would say I love you and he would get silence you know every uh-huh. night oh. in return and then about a year later he was closing the door and he heard I love you too you know I like whispered to him. Um, and he was like you know he he gave this really touching speech at the wedding and kind of connected it all back to my husband but it just made me remember uh, how tough I was on him as the stepdaughter. And so I guess in some respects, having had Rachel come into your life when she was so much younger might have been a little bit easier for her to accept you. Yeah. As as that role. Um, and because I would have never called my stepdad my dad. I would mm-hmm. never to this sta- day. I mean, I've never called him dad. I've always called him, you know, my favorite stepdaddy. That was kind of our thing. But mm-hmm. um or my stepmom, I certainly would have never called her mom, but there's mm-hmm. no way was giving up that title to anybody, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, it just, I think maybe the, her age certainly helped her mm-hmm. to kind of see you as this other mom figure, whatever, however yeah. she's. Yeah.
1: I think that definitely age and having another sibling in the house, you know what I mean? Kind of helps yeah. a lot. And then the fact that, um, you know, we have a great relationship with her biological mom, as we do with Cameron's biological dad, and that just has to be the paramount. So I think no matter how, I don't know that maybe insecure is the right word or uncertain, or at times just kind of yuck, um, I feel in the moment, I have to always default back to, we have to, I can't let whatever I'm experiencing within this situation deflect from the fact that we have to have a great relationship with those other partners within this. Um especially, you know, as they start to age, because that's whenever we're gonna see a whole lot of other stuff. And at the end of the day, the kid has to be the number one priority. Mm -hmm. And as long as they see and feel that, then that's kind of just up to us to do and then to them to kind of see and um, you know, experience as part of their childhood and charter their life. And so I think that we where we've done a good job, I feel like, is that we've always communicated well and effectively um, with the other co parents, um, that we've always been respectful of those relationships. And that honestly, Jeff and I had a talk. And for all, there may be some single ladies and, you know, mamas out there that are, you know, single mom and people without kids. This was what I did dating at like 35, because I was, again, just out of like a 16, I don't know, maybe 16, I don't know how long, I think it was 16 years that I was married to um, my ex-husband. But at that point in our lives, I just think we're done with everything that could be drawn a bill. like just yes. done with the BS, right? And so I personally was just not interested in going out on like, and God bless other people might be, but I just wasn't interested in like resowing some oats that I did in high school. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, well, if I want to start dating, then I'm going to cut to the chase of this real quick because I don't feel like I have a lot of time to kind of like sit around and waste and kind of figure some things out. So I'm just going to throw all this shit out here. <laughs> so let's just, if you're cool with it, then great. And if you're not, let's just be like, hey, this was a nice fun date and let's just kind of move on. And so I think very early on in our relationship, we talked about um, our kids and what kind of parenting we wanted our kids to have and what that was gonna look like. And then, you know, as we started to really see that this was something, we were like, okay, well, what role do you want me to have in your child's life and vice versa? And how are we gonna do this? Um, And so that really served, I think, as our base that then we just kind of built upon and, have taken a very pragmatic kind of approach when things have just naturally and organically kind of come up over the course of time. So.
0: That's such a great way to go about it. When you think about, because like you said, Cam was like 12, 13, mm-hmm. he was entering those teenage years. You know, Rachel was what, like three at the time.
1: Yeah. She was like, I think she was
0: two, maybe even she she just was so turned little.
1: three whenever we got married, I think. Yeah. Whenever
0: you guys got married. And so mm-hmm both of you to just say, because that's two different relationships, you know, oh, trying wow. to be step-parent to a three-year-old versus a 13-year-old is so different. Um, I can remember when my dad remarried and she had kids that were teenagers. I think they were both teenagers. And, you know, I remember him and I having conversations, like he really struggled to be a step-parent to those kids and not knowing like what he, what was his role and same thing you know, they were really close with their dad and, uh-huh. um, but you guys just kind of got that out of the way from the beginning and said, Hey, what kind of relationship do you, do you foresee? Or what uh-huh. would you like for me to have with your kid is so important to uh-huh. say those things out loud and say, okay, I don't need you to be the disciplinarian, for example, right. I, I'll take care of the discipline. I need you to be my partner and to back me up. Right. But I will discipline my child. Mm-hmm. Know, so that you mm-hmm. can continue to build that strong relationship with them, that trust yeah. with them, whatever that conversation looks like for each parent. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: awesome mm-hmm. that you all said that out loud before you jumped into a yeah. marriage and <laughs> were full-time step-parents. Like yeah. have those conversations on the front end
1: mm-hmm.
0: versus waiting till you're in it and trying to figure it out, you know, then.
1: Yeah. And and I appreciate that. I think that that's definitely what you want to do. And and some of that, I mean, I think comes across from like our training and our experience and stuff like that. But also sure. it's just true, like life stuff. Like, why are we going to do, go about this in a dysfunctional way when we know that there is an actual functional way that we can try to do it? And those are conversations we actually had with the other co-parents in this situation too, because, you know, even though it was... Um, you know, it's never easy, I don't think, to talk to the new co-parent. Um, my parents made it look easy. I thought everything was easy because my parents made everything so. Easy. <laughs> so uh, that's That's kind of my approach. Well, I mean, everything seems easy. Um, but, you know, that's never easy conversations to kind of go in and have. And I think just doing that, acknowledging it. Like just first off, like, hey, you know what? I understand that this is going to be kind of awkward talking about this stuff, but I'm doing this out of respect for you and I don't want to overstep and I want to make sure that, you know, when it comes to things, especially like discipline, that that at least is going to have an air of consistency with it. There might not be other things within the home that um, carry that, but at least the discipline kind of side of things really needs to. And I think that's where we've all been very um, good at being on the same page with that. But I do think that overall, probably the biggest struggles that have happened have been at times in which, you know, you're going between two different homes Mm -hmm. um, and there is, there are, there are differences. And so even whenever you try to like make those things as smooth as what's possible, um, it still doesn't it's still, you know, you're in somebody else's house, right? You kind of got to live by the authority figure who's within that house and making that transition at times can be a little bit, um, sticky and it always comes. Yeah. Yeah. And I always feel like, especially in my position with some of it, it's like, do you ever lose? And maybe this is a question for our audience. Um, and those who are more experienced at being a step parent than me, um, Do you ever lose the feeling of at times being that wicked stepmother? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't know that I ever have. And she lives with us. She goes to school here with us. And so, you know, a lot of what happens is during the times in which it's not fun time weekends where we just get to like play and go do all kinds of like loose activities. It's like dinner, homework, shower, brush teeth, bedtime,
0: you know, you have to enforce the routine.
1: Yes. And that's where I think I feel the most sticky with things is that, um, it's always that the role that I'm playing, even though we incorporate a lot of fun and try to enjoy it at the end of the day, it is still me and my husband. I mean, he does a very big, like I said, um, he's, he's the enforcer. <laughs> um, cause she li- I mean, it's not that she doesn't listen to me, but she listens to him differently. than than what she does to me. Um, Because I ask people to do things a whole lot. I don't specifically tell them. And that's, again, probably just part of who I am. And we just ask a lot of questions. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just naturally. Um, But he tells her and he tells her very firmly and that that does work. But that's also a quality of their dynamics and relationship. But it's in those times, it's like, you know, when she's getting married one day, or has like some kind of, you know, cool thing happen? How is she going to kind of look back on me? Is she going to look back on me as being, well, there was this lady that lived in my house who was always like, well, it's eight o'clock, we got to take her shape. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or is she going to be reflective of some of the things that, you know, I hope kind of also stands out in this? And so, you know, as we kind of said in one of the episodes with the podcast, we're kind of still writing this story. I have no idea where it's going to kind of go. Um, I think the greatest thing that I've gotten out of just things is, it still comes from validation at a young age with Cameron that I was doing things right. You know, and I know, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever he said that he looked at me and that he knew that he could be okay, considering his new diagnosis and disease, I was like, well, hell, I can't screw this up at this point.
0: (laughs) Right. I've done something right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's going to be all right. He's already said it. So we're cool. Um, And he still is. And I think that that's maybe just part of the consistency that he's seen within things. Um, And again, the types of relationships he has in his life. But maybe I was given a gift with him at a time in which I value and appreciate and now really serves as good um, kind of grounding for me. And I know many parents probably don't get that. But I think it also makes me need to hear that more from her at some Mm -hmm. point. You know what I mean? It's, it's a weird thing, I guess. I just thought of it too. That's probably a big piece of it is that I got the okay stamp from him.
0: (laughs) And you're going to want it from her. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, girls are so different. Like I, again, I just go back to like my experience, even my stepmom who, Oh, I could go on for days there um, about the thing, you know, she was the woman my dad had left our family for. Um, they got married. She was 10 years younger. She was very wrapped up in diet culture. I mean, she uh-huh. had a lot of impact on me in some, you know, not so negative ways, but I still have a lot of positive memories about her. I still have some kind of things to say about her. I don't think that she's like an evil stepmother by any means, I think she was figuring it out as she went and she was also Mm -hmm. struggling with mental health in my opinion. Um, But I also think about my stepdad and how tough I was on him. And I just, you know, the older I've gotten and I started to realize this when I was pretty young, I want to say like college age, I realized the opportunities that he brought to my life that I would have never had. Mm -hmm. and the gratitude that came with that. And also the structure that he gave my life. He was very strict as you, Uh, uh um, (laughs) and you know, I just, I, I can appreciate that so much more now that I'm a mom, Uh um, because it was always tough love. Um, and, i just i i am so appreciative of that relationship in my life that i wouldn't have had if my parents would have stayed married yeah. who knows what my life would have been like had my parents stayed married Mm-hmm. But I do know that I benefited from having him in my life many ways, more ways than one. Um, but he, you know, it takes some time to reflect on that and mm-hmm. to kind of go through some things in your life and see what other people go through in your life, your friends or yeah. um, other people that you come in contact with. You know, you, eventually you start to see, oh, wow, this person really played this huge role mm-hmm. in getting me to become the person that I am. And so, I certainly, granted, I'm you're one of your best friends, <laughs> Rachel will absolutely one day look back and go, wow, look at the opportunities, Sarah. I mean, Let's that you brought to her life, the love, I think more than anything, uh-huh. kids just adults that love them unconditionally. Yeah. And you absolutely do that. Um I think back to like, when you all were trying to potty train her and oh, my gosh. you were, you know, again, mm-hmm. you're going between two different homes and you'd call me and you are like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, little people, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, but I mean, you were always willing to take that on and you yourself have said, you know, those aren't your favorite years. Mm-mm. Um, having young kids, you don't love that stage, No, and, ma'am. but The fact that you are willing to take that on and still love her unconditionally ultimately is what she will know and what she will remember. She's not going to remember you, you know, (laughs) forcing her to, you know, get in bed every night at eight o'clock. She's not going (laughs) to remember all the the strict or the routine things. She's going to remember the love, the opportunities, the experiences you gave her, showing up for her, the car rides to school. Those are the things ultimately she's going to remember.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. I think that's the ultimate hope and goal with it. But um, yeah, it's just, it's one of the, it's in those moments, it's still like, it's very, 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 very challenging. And it, I mean, it just is what it is. I think maybe it's more challenging because um, she was so young on my end of it. Mm -hmm. because that made me almost play in a, in a very real way, almost like what you're saying, like a very big, like mothering role within her life, because I was Mm -hmm. changing her diapers. You know what I mean? I was, we, we made the potty chart. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We had had the potty chart out and going. Um, And it, you know, even now every night I'm sitting there drying and brushing her hair. So my role with her, I guess, from a legal context, Is not the same as what I feel towards her, and in being in this role as a legally defined, I guess step parent, that in itself creates, I think, conflict—just internal conflict within yourself. You know what I mean? Because it's like I naturally feel very biologically connected to this little girl, but yet I know that I'm not. At the end of the day, right? You did not give birth to her. No, ma'am. No, I I was one and done. There was no way that this, this thing was rolling, rolling down that street twice. Um, But yeah, but it's still, it's still, again, like a yucky area to, to feel in waves at times. And then it kind of dissipates, but it's always something that I think in a way is present. And it's just kind of negotiated with that as it arises. So we'll see. Well,
0: again, you're doing something right. She is a phenomenal little girl. I think everybody that knows her adores her. She's got such a just lovely spirit about her. Um, which, you know, I just, um, I think about all the things that you add to that because you are so fun and so carefree and such a kid at heart. Right. I think that you, um, you help her embody that about herself. You know, I love to see her outfits that she picks out for herself and you just let her roll with it. Like you uh-huh. don't have any control issues. You don't really, you know, as long as she's happy, you're happy. And um I she's love confident that, yeah yeah that you've really <laughs> kind of taught her and maybe she was always like that I don't know but mm-hmm. she definitely comes across as like not afraid to be herself mm-hmm. and all I can see being your friend is that that comes from you yeah uh, that she's, she's watched you model that over and over again so I just think it's it's a blessing to her life
1: yeah, she does dress like me. That's one thing that is a hundred percent, like whenever people, and we do, like we said, we kind of look alike. She's been blessed with this curly thick hair um, as opposed to this, but she, we dress so much alike unintentionally. Like she's, I, I guess it's just through observation. She's seeing what I'm doing. And then also she's not a girl that likes to wear those big pic, um bows and stuff like that. But we were at a school event or something with one of our teacher friends and she is very eclectic in her style and what she puts together and like we said none of us just really want to inhibit that because she's very very creative. Yeah. Um and we just really want her to embrace that side of her and they kind of looked at both of us and said, "Well, now we know where she gets it from." <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down because I was like, "What are, what are they talking oh, about?" I was like, "Okay." Yep. Okay. <laughs> There's that. I do.
0: Do you ever think that it kind of works in your benefit that, like, you had one kid and he had one kid, and that that made it a little bit easier for you all to make a cohesive family versus, like, if he, like, trying to, like, you know, build relationships with multiple kids, I feel like would be hard too. Like, you've mm-hmm. got one kid to focus on. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I would just assume that it did because each of us were so close to our individual kids. Not to say, not again, not to say the other was not, but I think that we each have very unique relationships with our individual kids. Um, and I think because of that, it just made it, um, our knowing our kids and being able to talk about it again openly and then give our kids the opportunity to talk about it. Like, I think that that's something that, um, Jeff and Cameron did that was really great. And without, I mean with my support but without my direction um was that he just had a very natural conversation with him like I'm not here to replace the, you know another parent I am here to be a parent to you which was good because he didn't say I'm here to be your friend right. parents are not supposed to be friends like this is no. where I take a hard line like even clinically you're not supposed to be <laughs> your child's best friend um ever and he told him I'm not here to Um, to take that person's place, I'm here to be another parent to you, to help to guide you, to help to teach you and to share with you things, to support you unconditionally. And I think that by him taking that step, it really helped them with, especially Cameron being so much older and um, super, Cameron's very like sage and old man-like, like that really kind of, Cameron's my adult supervisor, actually. (laughs) Oh, God, he, I need him all the time. But uh, that, I think, really helped cultivate their relationship. Because if you see the two of them, it's like they are two peas in a pod. They are the same person just replicated almost at different points of time in their life. And even though, you know, they might have slightly different interests, there's just so much about them that is uniquely uh, similar that it just, really helped I think to cultivate such a beautiful relationship with them and so I try to use them really as an example and to do some of the same things with her and again this is probably just me wanting that button to be pressed now like hey you're doing a good job you know what I mean or I do see you as this person in my life like she's eight should I have right. an expectation for her? no Absolutely do I know not. that yes do I care I have a hard time with that
0: that's all right. At least you know that that's what you're looking for some sort of validation there, but you know, it will come one day. I mean, I think about my own eight-year-old, like he's not like, Hey mom, you're doing a great job raising us. (laughs) Really appreciate you. Yeah. Um, You know, it'll come with time, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see totally needing that, that approval almost like I'm doing something right. But as parents, we always feel like that. Like I Mm -hmm. constantly am you know, questioning my parenting, um, you know, we're constantly like, All right, is this the right thing? Is my kid getting too much screen time? Is my kid getting enough exercise? Is my kid eating the right foods? Is my kid going to the right school? You know, you're constantly, do they have the right friends? Am I um, ex- giving them enough experiences? We're always questioning ourselves. So I think part of that is just being a parent yeah, to some degree, you know, especially with young kids um because we haven't they haven't gotten further for, far enough along to say you know okay we did something right <laughs> we're, uh-huh. we're still so very much in development and uh, and we're still figuring it out as we go so i think that you know that's just parenting but i also what made me think about like the fact that you all each had one kid i think about my stepmom and she really struggled to build a relationship with my brother her and i were so much easier i think cuz well, a am a people pleaser and like always mm-hmm. want everyone to be happy. And um, so, I mean, I fed into like all of anything she wanted to do. I, I was down for it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my brother, you know, was older and he was already yeah. in, had his interests and hobbies and she just had a really hard time relating to him. Mm-hmm. Certainly when he uh, taped over their wedding video with like a Monday night raw WWE I or like- something that didn't help the relationship. Um but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, she, they just, they never really found a groove, uh-huh. you know, where say her and I did at some point and, uh, they, they, but he didn't have that closeness to her. Um, and then when we had another stepmom later in life, you know, we were adults at that point and that's a uh-huh. total scenario as well. Um, having a stepmom when you're an adult, you know, yeah, know, different, but she was lovely or uh-huh. is she's um you know my dad's widow at this point but mm-hmm. he um that was a a, a much e- easier relationship and easier to like open up to her because she made my dad happy and yeah you know had his person then and so that's just a totally different dynamic than having young mm-hmm. kids or being the young kid and having a step-parent
1: no that's a great point yeah and I definitely remember that too my stepdad um him and my mom got married, I think, whenever I was eight. And so I always grew up with him being kind of, you know, around and in that um, role. And then my dad ended up getting remarried whenever I was like um, 20, I think. And so it's a different relationship I have with, yeah, with, um, I don't even like calling her my stepmom. I don't even, I mean, with Anna, that's her her legal term is that she is you know, a stepmother, but with Anna, it's just much more of like a friendship. It's much easier, you know, there's guidance and I can talk to her at different points of time about other topics, but yeah, relationships are tough, man, or they're, they're evolving always. And, um, at different phases of our life, I think that they are easier to walk into. Um, but that doesn't mean, I guess they stay on that path. And we just have to stay on our path, I guess, to make it work. So we'll see. You know, we'll see how this journey continue. ends out, right? Ten years <laughs> later. <laughs> we'll see how this goes at that point. I mean, I still got to get through all those fun, you know, teenage years and all that. And it is, there's That's such true. a true such a difference such between a difference. girls and boys. Yeah. Yeah. Different ages. So yeah. Oh.
0: It's gonna hit right about the time you hit menopause too. So that should work out well for you
1: too. It's all gonna be bad. (laughs) I'm sure. Right, right. We all know how patient I am with things. And so I'm sure it'll be fine. (laughs) I'm sure it will. Well, she'll be older, so I do like that age. Just as like yeah. One thing that's really your sweet spot. Yeah. I love a good teenager. So um that's that's that'll might be okay, but that's just because of a natural thing that I enjoy. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Like I like it when people are verbal and can kind of like talk back to me with intellectual authority. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't have that capacity to do that at like seven or eight. And I don't have the patience for it. So yeah. if kind of that happens, like nope.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, I'll be calling you when my kids are teenagers because that's Wow. the least, uh, age group that, or I enjoyed it the least when I worked in a middle school for five mm-hmm. years, I really mm-hmm. just had a hard time connecting with those kids, um, because they were somewhere, you know, they are still very immature, but they mm-hmm. thought they were adults. Right. And it was just, I really struggled. You talk about being uncomfortable, like sitting in a room, you know, if I was like testing a mm-hmm. student, I mean, I just, I really struggled with I, uh, relating to them, coming up with conversation. Um, whereas you stick me in a room with a little person, I can play dolls all day, you know, and oh gosh. it's just, it's just totally different. And you, you just vibe with different age groups. Um, yeah. And I just, I don't vibe with teenagers is what <laughs> I learned.
1: Well, I think those are good lessons for us to learn as moms though. You know what yeah. I mean? We're just, we fit real naturally with certain ages of our kids. And that doesn't mean we love them any less. It just means that, There are just things within us that make it easier for us to like them. You know, I could could say I love them all the time, but there are definitely periods that I've enjoyed them more. And I don't personally believe that that says anything negative about it. It's just a point of self-awareness. And I know where the struggles come from. It's just that natural setting that I have within my life. So like we said, we'll see where this whole story takes us, won't we?
0: Yes, that's right. (laughs) to be continued.
1: All right. So hopefully some of you guys were able to relate to a little bit of that. If you got any tips you want to share here, then please be sure to to email us, to contact us on our social media, on our website, everything, because we want this engagement. We want this feedback. So just makes it so much more fun and maybe validating, maybe gives us some other things to think about. We're open.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Validating, I think is a good point, like validating some of the thoughts that we have as moms as professionals, as uh, wives, but also just what are some other things that people are going through? Because we only have our narrow experience. Mm-hmm. So I would be curious to hear what other women in our age group, you know, if they're step-parents, what are some of the other issues yeah. that have arisen um, that you would like for us to talk about or talk through? Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, definitely check us out at the our website. You can also find us on social media podcast on Instagram and Facebook, YouTube.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I believe we also got our Twitter up and running. Yes. Um, So yeah, check us out on those platforms so that we can have some, some listener feedback. We love, we love that human connection as I keep saying, <laughs> um, like it's kind of what we're here for is that mm-hmm. human connection, but also trying to like, help others normalize, talk about these things. I mean, ultimately, just like Sarah said, when they sat down and talked about these things, we have to talk about the hard stuff. Otherwise mm-hmm. it just, you know, you stuff it down. It's all going to come out like a volcano someday. So yeah. um, let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about all the good stuff and the yucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And we'll throw in our silly fun things we do along the way too. That's right. <laughs> right as well as yours so share them along with us too
0: all right all right until next time
1: lilas out peace guys thanks so much